Praise the Lord, Anchok Church. <laughs> it's such a great privilege and honor for me to be here today. Uh, I'm really very excited. I was, I, I was hoping you still remember the praise the Lord, amen. Um, <laughs> but it's good. Uh, my name is Alex, like Brandon introduced. I am from Uganda. I've been living in Portland for the last three and a half years finishing my Masters of Divinity with my wife, Faith. Tell people I married her because it is impossible to please God without faith. <laughs> and uh, God has been very good to us throughout these years. We have a daughter. Her name is Aliyah, And we are expecting another one soon. Thank you. Let's pray before I bring God's word in. Uh, Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the privilege to share your word with your people again. Thank you for your spirit that is in this place. We open our hearts up to you, Lord, today for what you're saying to us. Move in our midst and may your word do its work in us. Cause us to obey you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the thing with the hallelujah thing is, when I say praise the Lord, I'm actually really thinking you're going to reply amen. <laughs> and then when I say praise the Lord, just say amen. Just feel free to shout it out. Because uh, when I preach back home, I tried to preach like an American pastor before, and I just, just didn't work out for me. <laughs> so I tried to preach like I preach in Uganda. And in Uganda, when we preach, there's this thing that goes on between the preacher and congregation. We say praise the Lord, and the congregation says amen. We say hallelujah, and the congregation says amen. So it will really be helpful. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. Uh -huh. Now, do you remember that story when Jesus comes to his disciples one evening? They are in a boat, and there is a storm going on, and Jesus really appears on the other side, just walking on water. And the disciples obviously are afraid because they're trying to make the boat go the right way. The waves are almost overwhelming them, and then all of a sudden they see a weird thing. This guy is walking toward them in this storm, and they're obviously afraid. And the way Jesus tries to convince them that he is the one is by actually asking one of them to get out of the boat and walk on the water that is not calm. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk. And I imagine he sees this big wave coming toward him. And he fears. And begins to drown and calls on Jesus, please help me. And Jesus picks him up. Do you remember that story? I'm almost, I'm actually fully persuaded that Jesus is still doing that to 
a lot of us that he is calling. Um, he's continually inviting us to step out of those places where we have been comfortable, we feel safe and sheltered, uh, to step out to those, into those places where we have to cry out and say, help me, Lord, for I am sinking. And uh, at that time, at that moment, he stretches out his hand, takes a hold of you and picks you up. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's a lot that has been happening for me and my wife since the last time I was here. I graduated in May uh, with a Master's of Divinity from Altnumar. And we knew, even from the time we came, that our call was to go back to Uganda, and we wanted to plant a church in the city of Kampala, a more city and urban church in the city of Kampala. But when I finished graduating, my wife still had a year to go. And, uh, and so I thought, that's good. We have a year. I have no school, and we'll be planning and putting structures in place and putting things uh, in place that need to be in place for us to go back and plant the church. But it made sense to us that uh, I return at the end of the summer, last September, to kind of reacquaint myself with Uganda. I had spent about two years without being in the country, and so much has changed. Reacquaint myself with the country, and also to to find the specific place that God would want us to place a city church in Kampala. Now, when I got home, I obviously went and spoke to my pastor about it. And I remember him sitting on the, in his chair and a smile coming on his face and leaned forward and said, you know what? We're actually looking for a pastor for a church right now. And I think... What you just told me might actually really fit in that very place. You should go and check it out and pray about it and see if that's the place God wants you to, to go to. Well, after about three weeks within the country, it was very clear that this is the place God wants us to minister into. And um, so by the time I came back at the end of November, I was the pastor of uh, Luzira Community Church in one of Kampala's prime areas, a lot of business going on in that place. There are a lot of industries. Uh, it's an industrial area in Kampala. It's uh, Uganda's major port on Lake Victoria. And uh, um, there's a lot of also educational institutions going on in this place. It was like this perfect place for the ministry that God has called us to do. However... There's also a side that we had not planned for. We had not been prepared for. One, for one, we were not prepared to, to be pastoring a church this year. Uh, while my wife is still going to school in, in Portland, Oregon. And so I kind of had to be away from my church uh, as I wait for my wife to finish. Um, but at the same time, keep it running. But also, the church had been going through some really serious challenges and was steadily falling apart. 
the pastor of the church had stepped down. Church was divided, a lot of internal and external strife between the people that had stayed in the church and the people that had gone out of the church. Still a lot of uh, strife going on and uh, a lot of things needed to be reordered and rechanged. And in the midst of all that, God called us to minister in Luzira community. The place is called Luzira. So many times, I, for the five weeks that uh, I stayed in Uganda trying to reorganize the work there, I kept asking God and saying, God, this is really crazy. This is not what I had really prepared for. This is not what I had planned for. But then, the Lord kept reminding me that, you know, Alex, you're not really the first one, nor are you going to be the last one that I'm going to call to do some really crazy stuff, stuff they cannot understand. Uh, and for everyone that Jesus Christ kind of calls, shows you a way to go, but also a way that will constantly be dependent on him. In fact, I really believe that uh, the Christian life is not for those who want to play it safe. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and stay in a comfortable place. But it is for those people that are ready to raise up their hands and say, Lord, you know what? I trust you. I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I don't get the reason why this is the way it is at this point. I don't have all the answers. In fact, I don't know what I am doing. I am sinking. Please take a hold of my hand. Who knows that uh, the kind of people that know that God who promised is faithful. And we hold on to him and trust that no matter what comes our way, God is going to come through. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I think that that's what the writer of the book of Hebrews is getting to. Um, Let's read our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 13. From verse 13 to about verse 20, the Bible says this. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying... Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, before we continue, you should understand the context in which the, the writer of Hebrew is, get, is getting this particular scripture is, is uh, Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham is asked by God to offer his son. 
See, because when you see the words in blessing, I'll bless you, and in multiplying, I'll multiply you, they're kind of really catchy words. Uh, good words, we all want that. Uh, but the context is in a place where God has just asked Abraham to get out of his way. It really do something that I look at it and I'm saying, Abraham, you're crazy. But before God would say that, this guy had got his son, placed him on an altar, and it had to take an intervention of an angel to stop him from slaughtering his son. This guy is crazy. But the thing is, <laughs> he's a man under orders. This is what God has asked him to do. It doesn't make sense, at least by my standards. That doesn't make How God really, do you, do you want me to sacrifice my son uh, and the only one that I have because you told me to, to cast out the other second one that I had? Now, this is the only one I have. It doesn't add up well. But for Abraham, this is what God said. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. This is what God says. Because I'm learning more and more that many times God's explanation comes at the end of our obedience. And someone has said that he is never let, but he is never too early to. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's continue and, say what, and see what the, the guy is saying. Because at the point of, at the whole, the whole point of the writer of Hebrews bringing this kind of, this reminding us of Abraham is his whole point for this particular scripture is that no matter what, no matter what comes our way, we can trust God. We can rely on him. We can trust him. He is faithful. He will come through. Praise the Lord. And so he continues and says, For men, in verse 16, men indeed swear by, the one, by one who is greater, and an oath of confirmation is for them an end to all dispute. Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of his promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible to, for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, we who have fled for refuge, to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope we have as an anchor for our soul. Now, whenever I read this scripture and uh, the picture of an anchor for the soul that is given, um, I'm reminded uh, the days when I was growing up, uh, before I got into the sponsorship program and um, could actually go to school, 
instead of going to school, because whenever I went to school without paying fees, the principal would ask me to go home. So instead of going to school, I grew up by Lake Victoria. I would instead go to the lake um, and uh, do some kind of fishing and, uh, or just play in the boat. And I remember one day, I was seated in this, in this boat, uh, and the fishermen would just put the, their boats uh, by the lake and line them up. And I was seated in this one boat, and I was holding a rod uh, fishing, and then, for some reason, I saw the boat I was in moving. Now, many of us, even though we grew up by the lake, we do not know how to swim. Uh, I don't know how to swim. And you don't want the boat to take you further than you can walk. So, I saw this boat kind of moving, and I, I couldn't tell exactly which direction it was going into. So I jumped out and jumped into the second boat. Except it was the second boat that was moving. <laughs> and the boat swayed and went into the deep waters. But what helped me at that point is this boat had been anchored on the shore with a strong rope so that it could go in the deep waters but could be pulled back from the shore. Every time I, rem I read the anchor to my soul, I'm, I, I remember that. But the scripture here, at this point where uh, the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell his writers that, you know what, Jesus is superior to anything. In fact, you can read it you don't need anything else to hold on. He is superior to anything. But they are believers who have come to a place and found it is not really safe to be a Christian at this point. In fact, many of them were turning back into Judaism to at least turn it down because they were going through some really tough times. And what the writer of Hebrews comes out to say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. What you are letting go is far superior to anything else you can hold on. The God that we are believing in has over and over, time and again, proved himself to be faithful to those who hold fast to him, who trust him, who say that no matter what, God, I'm going to trust you. So look at the example of Abraham. After he went all the way, God came through in the most powerful way and told him, you know what, Abraham, in blessing, I'll bless you. And in multiplying, I'll multiply you. Because you have held fast to the promise. And so, listen people, God does not lie. In fact, it is impossible for him to lie. We can trust him. We can hold on to him. And this is our hope. This is what we hold on. This is the anchor to our soul. 
God who promised is faithful. He will come through. Not that every time it's going to be safe. Not that every time it's going to be comfortable. In fact, God is calling us, whenever God calls you to do something, there is a measure of risk in it. Remember the story of Gideon when he had over 20,000 men in his army. And God looked at this army and told him, you know, Gideon, yeah, you can win a victory with that army, but after you do that, they will come back and say, it's through our strength and through our power that we were able to do this. I want you to reduce your army. And he reduced the army to 300 men to take on a whole other nation. And God brought victory out of that. Praise the Lord. God has called us to some really great and exciting things. And yes, you may be experiencing a storm at this point just as Peter was and the disciples in the boat. And it is all shaky around you. The place where you're standing seems to be moving. Or it might be like Abraham, that what God is calling you to do, and you know that truthfully this is God, but on the other hand, it's difficult. On the other hand, it is uncertain. I can't, when I add one plus three and four, it just doesn't add up. I don't know how I'm going to maintain myself. I don't know how I'm going to sustain my family. I don't know whether I will be able to make it to the other side. At, those po at that point that you might be going through, God is calling us to trust him, to hold on to him. He is the anchor to our soul. If we can't explain it, can we trust him? Can we hold on to him and believe that he will come through? These days, in preparation to going back to Uganda and uh, doing the kind of ministry that God has called me to do there, it's a little bit different from what is usually done in Uganda. Most of the ministry in Uganda and the church, and the church in Uganda is growing. But most of the ministry has focused so much on the poor, the downtrodden, um, so much so that the people who are educated, the people who have done something with their lives, 
look at church and despise church for, say, the church is for the poor, the church is for the uneducated. And then those of us who have grown up in church kind of grow up with this mentality that, um, well, we always have to wait for someone to come and help us. And I do still believe the church still really needs to take care of our poor. We need to take care of the orphans. In fact, the Luzira Community Church, and one of the big reasons that I, I felt I should take on this church is because the church is taking care of over 200 children. That it's taking to school, it's paying their medical education, medical um, care, it's, giving, it's helping them have at least a meal a day. Um, helping them to grow in Jesus Christ. We need to do that. But all the time we need to wait for America to come and help. And in Uganda, there are also people that have access. There are people that know how to write the grants. There are people that have gone to school. That for some reason, they constitute the most unreached group of people in the country, especially in Kampala. And it's not easy to reach those guys. And especially coming from where we are coming from. But that's where I feel God is calling me to. But also as I prepared this talk today, I kept having the sense that in Antioch Church, in the congregation today, there are people that God has placed a specific burden on your heart. God has given a vision. There's something that every time you hear about it, your heart kind of jacks up and you feel a pull toward that. You want to step out because you feel God calling you in a particular direction. But then... The sacrifice is big. But then, there are several things that don't yet, haven't yet lined up well for you to be able to step down, to step up. And there is this subtle fear that kind of holds you back. A fear of the unknown to go to an uncomfortable place. And so, you're still wrestling with God. I know you want me to go this direction, but there is this, and there is that, and there is this. And I believe that this morning, God is calling those of us like that to raise our hands up and say, God, please help me. He's calling us to a step of faith where we can say, Lord, you know what? We're going to trust you. We are going to hold on to you as our anchor that when those times come when we are drowning. We will trust that you will hold our hand and pick us up 
and help us. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to take some time and pray as I conclude today. And just pray that for people like that, um, that God will intervene and grant us the faith to move forward. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, full of grace, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises because we know that our faith and our hope is based on your promise through Jesus Christ. It's that hope that enters behind the veil where Jesus Christ, our high priest, who is interceding daily for us, is. You have spoken a word to us. And Lord, we have heard, but in many ways there is that fear that holds us. And yet your word has said you have not given us a spirit of fear. So we pray, Lord, that you will deal with our fear and raise our faith up to be able to step into that place of the unknown, into that place where it feels in the natural that it is unsafe, but we know because you are there, it is safe. Because you are there, it is certain. Because you are there, it is firm ground. Help us to trust you and to hold on to you as our anchor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.